Hey, 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 what's the fuss? What? Tell me what's happening. This is Pyromaniac Stag Party, just stealing Moe's intro right there, and Dog Manica. And we're coming to you on Friday afternoon. We're going to get you the news, the notes, a little bit of recaps on the Thursday night game, uh, some DFS plays, some guys we like, some streaming options. We're going to get you that late week news you need to win your league. So... Hey, dog. How's it going, man? Uh, too bad. Not too bad. I was uh, stuck in traffic getting down here and uh, it annoyed, annoyed the shit out of me as usual, but it's a price you pay for something doing something you love. Uh, I, I'd hate to be your seats. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be my seats either. Annoyed the shit right out of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was a brutal trip, but you know, what are you going to do, especially on a Friday? Uh, I mean, the, the traffic on a Friday is absolutely awful. Yeah, you gotta, in Chicago, you got to leave an hour ahead of what you want to do on Friday to get to where you need to be. And oh, it's just, absolutely. It's just, not, it's just not good. No, it drives me to drink. <laughs> and that's what we're going to do. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> so Valverde did that. Let's talk about a little about, about that Thursday night game, you know, Rex Ryan's homecoming and blah, 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 all those narratives you want to play up. But I think the real homecoming was, you know, LaShawn McCoy getting back to form. Hamstring looking like it's full strength, and then Carlos Williams just finding a way into the goddamn end zone again. Yes. Like I can't find a way to start that guy ever because it's like I have no idea what his volume is going to be. And then suddenly it's a touchdown a week. Like I can't, I can't bring myself to start him. And then he scores more than everybody on my team. It's it, it's a very strange thing with him because I got to tell you he's he is barely startable. He's more of a a, a hope for the, you know something to happen flex type of play. But he is now the second person of all time to have a touchdown in each of his first six NFL games, which is pretty impressive. Uh, but, he, I mean, is still, his volume is not there. You know, he may get, and it's more dependent on McCoy, and if McCoy gets hurt, you know, the games that McCoy gets hurt in, which he, he tends to do, you know, every three or four games. No. <laughs> Uh, you know, he'll get his, you know, 10-plus touches. But in general, I mean, last night, how, how many touches did he have? You know, five or six, something like that, seven or eight, maybe at most. Yeah. You can't, you know, you can't bet on a touchdown out of that, even though he happens to have had one in every single game. The thing is, like, he's played in five games prior to last night, right? Yeah. He's the number 24 running back in standard score. It's unreal. Like, that, it just doesn't seem like it would be there. And then if you look at it on a points-per-game basis, he's up there with, like, you know, Chris Ivory and mm. you know, Le'Veon Bell and Arian Foster, and you're like... How is this happening? Uh, and it's all touchdown regression, but the thing is, you keep waiting for it to regress and waiting for it to regress, and it hasn't happened yet. Well, the thing is, it's it's always going to be hit or miss with that, and you can't depend on there being a, a touchdown every game. And you definitely wouldn't have thought there would have, you know, his streak would have continued against a Jets defense that's normally pretty uh, pretty hefty and pretty tough against that run, but. Of course, he found the touchdown through the air, you know. So, that, what are you going to do about that? And that Jets, uh, the secondary is a little bit beat up. So, I mean, that doesn't surprise me all that much. But this this Bills offense uh, is running through McCoy, and he is doing his job. He looks fantastic out there. He made a guy miss last night. That was just it was just silly. That was I, one of those Reggie Bush cuts from USC. Oh yeah. Uh, oh boy, he put it on real quick. And then the thing is, I think the Jets can struggle because they've got three mammoth. You know, defensive line guys. Yeah, they've got Sheldon Richardson, Muhammad Wilkerson, and Leonard Williams. Yeah, and these guys are all three hundred pounders. 
on the light side for mm-hmm. most of them. So I think the smaller backs like LaShawn McCoy, the 200-pound sort of guys, can have a little bit more impact than the guys who try to run it straight at them. That, that outside zone play was absolutely destroying them last night. Yeah. Uh, and then you know Tyrod wasn't very effective running the ball or throwing the ball. But LaShawn was the power that drove the engine, and they got some things going through Charles Clay. Charles Clay looked elusive again. And I, I like those sort of tight end screens they run for him. Absolutely. The, uh, you, you the, a tight end who can run like that. I don't know why other teams don't incorporate that. Not a lot of teams have a tight end like Charles, uh, Charles Clay, but still, I mean, that, that's a very effective play if you can get it to work. And, and they don't really run any screens for Sammy Watkins, even though Sammy Watkins was one of the best uh, you know, guys with the ball in his hands at Clemson. Yeah. So that's something that surprises me a little bit about that offense, that they don't run more screens with him. But they do run a lot of those quick outs. Uh, you saw that last night, how he was able to... You know, he looked quick last night. He, he's completely over his ankle injury, if that was can, a factor for you. That's what I was going to say. I mean, considering that ankle injury that was... Uh you know, hindering him in a couple of the weeks past. Actually, last week he completely went off. But you know, going up against Revis on Revis Island, I got to tell you, you would. I wouldn't have thought this, but first of all, Watkins was getting open on him regularly throughout the game. There were missed passes and and just bad. You know, to, Tyrod was not throwing the ball really well last night at all. But uh, I mean, he was open. He was getting open against Revis, and it didn't seem like it was a problem for him coming off an injury like that. Uh, I'm, I'm extremely impressed. I don't know if it's. How good Watkins is, I think it's partially, if not mostly that, but I think Revis might be starting to fall down the ladder a little bit. I don't consider it an island very much. There's a, a peninsula, possibly, or the way off of it. I, I think Revis struggles with speed. Yeah. And guys who have a little bit of juice in their legs, he's in his 30s now, he's up there in age. Yeah. You know, that's just something that goes. Revis used to be one of the quicker corners in the league who could make up for it with a late break on the ball that might not be the full break he's getting now. But he's still in the very, very good class of corners to where you have to worry about him a little bit. Like, if you if you got a wide receiver two going up against Revis, it's like a no-go for me. But if you've got one of the top premier wide receiver one talents in the league going up against him, yeah, you got to start the guy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, at, at this point, you know, we've talked about the, the Bills a bunch now, but and obviously about Revis and their defense on, on the Jets. But let's talk about the offensive side and what we saw there. Uh, Marshall, I don't know if it's, you know, it, it was interesting. The, the Buffalo Bills do have a good defense all around, and their pass D, uh, despite what the numbers say, which are were pretty much wholly inflated by that New England Patriots beatdown that they took early in the season, uh, their defense is, is really, really good. It's one of the top five defenses, in my opinion, in reality uh, in the league. So it doesn't surprise me that they weren't able to do much on offense against uh, against that defense. But still, Decker's looking like he's almost a, a more definite play than a Marshall this year. And yeah, Marshall has his games, and he's still ahead of him in, uh, in points, in fantasy points. But Decker's becoming, like, uh, slowly but surely, a very dependable uh, wide receiver, two that can put up wide receiver one numbers. He outscored Marshall last night. Uh, both the catches, the, the t- he had a touchdown. Obviously, Marshall had a touchdown, but I feel like Marshall's touchdown wasn't even due to him at all. There was a block that freed him to get that edge to get to the left side of the end zone there that, uh, you know, he definitely wouldn't have been able to get on his own. But I don't know. It's uh, either way, it's a great attack all the way around uh, for the Jets, but it was a very tough defense to go against. I mean, just looking at Decker's numbers, they're awesome. Yeah. Like, 
his lowest fantasy game that he's played in, 9.4 fantasy points. That's his lowest on the season. That's sick. Like, that's just insane, like, stability. He scored a touchdown in seven of the eight games he has played in. Yep. He's only not scored, you know, once this season. And in that game, he had six catches for 94 yards. In the last four games he's played now, he's had at least six catches. So if you're playing in PPR leagues, this is a guy who's a solid, solid wide receiver too, without any question marks. And yet, every day you get a second opinion question, do I start Decker or? And I just think you got to play the hot hand. He's been so consistent. And, like, you're, you know you're going to get ten points. Like, there's not many people in the league that are going to give you that on a weekly basis. i got to tell you, uh, going into this season... Yeah, you you saw that there was Marshall on one side and you saw Decker on the other, and they they drafted Devin uh, Smith, uh, you know, to get a little speed in that in that slot position, and he actually showed a little bit, although big rookie mistake. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, you just still you still thought that this was going to be a running pure running offense, and the fact is, it's not. Uh, th- th- this passing game is good. I've, I'm so glad that they got Ryan Fitz, uh, Fitzpatrick in there. Instead of, uh, obviously, instead of Geno Smith, obviously the whole thing with Geno Smith breaking his jaw or getting it broken or whatever. Oh, say, yeah, now that was a storyline. <laughs> that was a nice storyline. But, I mean, Fitzpatrick's doing his job, and he's got the receivers to do it with, and it's a much uh, much more well-rounded offense than I thought it would be. Yeah, and Chris Ivory is still the engine that makes that offense go. Sure. You know, he had a fumble last night that, you know, yeah, that, that was pretty soft, you know, just getting wrapped up and getting the ball taken away from me in yeah. the hole. But other than that, he rumbled yesterday against a tough Bills front. Yeah, Absolutely. He definitely got it going again. And just that offense, you know, props to Chan Gailey and props to Todd Bowles for going out there and getting out, of, getting a guy who's been in the NFL forever and is probably twice his age as his offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh and just letting him run the offense and, you know, letting him sort of tell him, you know, what he needs and then them making this sort of makeshift offense in, you know, pretty much two seasons. And it's just sort of been a great turnaround for the butt fumblers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, I, I redid himself a, another nice game and he's been doing so on a consistent basis all season. Uh, all of us here at Pyro, we were uh, on his on his train before the season started, way back in the middle of uh, June, I think. We, but we couldn't even have expected what top five numbers he's putting up right now. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I mean, if you remember, the, the two guys that I thought could have entered the top ten this season uh, go, going in that nobody thought really would were Chris Ivory and Doug Martin. And sure enough, those guys are, are right there. I think we've probably covered this game pretty well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Too nauseum. Yeah, I had no idea we'd be able to find that much to say about the Bills and Jets game. You know? uh, <laughs> interesting how the NFL, and we didn't even talk about the colors of the jerseys. No, or right. how it affected colorblind fans. Yeah. Or, or shit I don't care about. <laughs> so, I like I should have been you know, singing Christmas carols watching that fucking game. Anyway, the, so, red, the red and green thing all this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was losing it. But let's move on to teams that are going to be wearing their usual jerseys. And we'll talk about the Lions at the Packers. So James Starks is now running back one. That's like, what they say. And what does that mean he is for fantasy? Is he an RB2? Is he a weekly flex play? Is he uh, I have no fucking idea. You tell me, dog. You're I, mastermind. I will tell you. I, I think he starts off as an RB2. Uh, just because if they're going to start him and they're going to get him rolling, then he's going to get the majority of the carries. But until I see that 
he can put up RB1 numbers and sustain it uh, for, you know, and look like he can sustain it beyond just a one-game occurrence, then I got, I got to leave him as an RB2. But I have a feeling, I mean, against this Detroit defense, which Ooh. is uh, which is just awful. <laughs> you know, exactly. They have one of those. <laughs> he, he can do it. it. It's quite possible. He puts up RB one numbers, and I, you know, I'm going to have to watch it close to see if it looks like it's sustainable or if it might just be a matchup based type of thing for him. But yeah, he's gonna he's gonna roll with this. If you ask me, I don't see Lacey getting that job back this season. You know, Lacey will still be mixed in there. They're still going to need the power out of him uh, that he can still give you every once in a while. And I don't think he's just done and washed up just because. Uh, had a tough go of it so far, a tough you know first eight games for him. But right now, it's the Starks. It's the Starks machine, and he's going to uh, he's going to prove pretty well for owners, and especially in DFS plays, he's going to be a, a nice uh, nice buy for you. Yeah, I'm I'm playing him in a lot of lineups this week as one of those cheaper options. Uh, definitely think that Lacey's at least going to be the man for the next couple weeks, and you know with sort of this you know weekly game that we play, you got to pay attention to him. You know, you might not have wanted to pick him up before the bye week, but if you did, you're now being rewarded. Uh, had another big game last week. Maybe you thought it'd be the Lacey show. But Lacey's too busy eating Old Country Buffet. Yep. And, you know, whatever's going on with his ankle and his vagina and his asthma all rolled into one. It's not good. But this is still a great running back situation. Let's just remember that they finished like top five in running back points combined of all running backs over the last you know two or three seasons uh, since Lacey's been the starter and James Starks has sort of been that change of pace guy. But Starks just is providing the, you know a little bit of electricity that he could take it to the house that Eddie Lacey just hasn't sort of had this season. Eddie Lacey's been plotting all over the field, and it's you know definitely changed their offense. He he looks like. Uh... That you know, I don't know. You you probably haven't seen it, and it's going to be odd because we're two totally different generations. But Footloose, do you remember the movie? Yeah, Footloose. Footloose okay. Do you remember the scene with the two tractors uh, and they're they're going to, to playing a game of chicken or whatever? Yeah. That one of those that looks like Eddie Lacy. <laughs> it does. Just a big tractor lumbering along, you know, lifting up the mask, taking putting down the mask, you know, lifting up the the forklift, whatever. I don't know, he, he looks awful. He looks slow. He's never been the type of guy who could take it to the house from 80 yards. Yeah, but he could get 20-yard gains. But he can get 20-yard gains simply because he could shrug off tap, tacklers really well. He's not doing that this year. You know, yeah, he's, he's not squaring up. He says he knows what the problem is, but he's been watching tape. Hopefully he can get that corrected. But i, I got to tell you, this offense, the, the, this Green Bay offense, first of all, I think that the loss of Jordy Nelson, while I, I know that people were saying, well, I'm not sure if it was going to affect Aaron Rodgers very much, and I'm not so sure that it has so much affected Aaron Rodgers, but it's affected the continuity of the entire offense. And it's affected how defenses play them, because he's their big, you know, vertical threat. Randall Cobb isn't very much a vertical threat. You know, Devontae Adams has been in and out of the lineup, so is Ty Montgomery. And then, you know, James Jones can get deep every now and then, but he's not a burner either. He is that vertical passing element to their game that that pushes safeties back that hasn't been there. And that's had an effect on Lacey. It's had an effect on Rodgers. It's had an effect on Cobb. And, you know, they've lost two games in a row, which hasn't happened in, like, a while. Yeah, another... Uh, there's actually two more factors with, with Jordy Nelson that really affect things. First of all, people forget how fast he is. He was the fastest receiver on the team. You know, I mean, white... White boy or not, that just doesn't matter. He was fast as fast as fuck. Second, he was also the tallest receiver on the team. You know, he's 6'3", almost 6'4". Uh, he, I mean, the guy, 
had things that they just don't have that element anymore. They don't have the super fast speed. They don't have the the incredible sideline hands that he's shown throughout the years that he might be the best sideline catch. Although Crabtree is going to give him a run for his money at this point, if you ask me. But uh, it's the size, too, being able to be able to go up and get a ball that Aaron Rodgers knows that he can make the pass to him. He can't make that sort of uh, go up and get it type of pass to any of these other receivers. They don't have that height. They don't have that uh, that that stretch, that reach that uh, Jordan Nelson has. But anyway, I mean, getting back to the matter at hand here, I think that things are going to start rolling a little bit again now. Now that they have Devontae back, now that they have a you know a good couple weeks of practice with all of them together, working together, Cobb, Devontae, and James Jones, and Montgomery's going to start getting back too now. His injury's pretty much done with. I think he's going to be active this week. He may or may not. It's going to be a close one. But... Uh, I think after a couple weeks of practice now, they're going to start flowing a little bit better, and there's no better team to do it against than one of the worst defenses in the entire league, which is hilarious, if you ask me. One of the best last year to one of the worst. I mean, we're, we're used to it here in Chicago. Shit like that happens all the time. You know, Jordan and Pippen all them retiring, best team to the worst team. You know, we're, we're used to seeing shit like that, but... The thing is, they lost, like, two key cogs. Sue and, you know, Levy and... Yeah, Rasheed Mathis is playing nowhere near Fairly, the level. Yeah, you know, nowhere near at the level he played last season. So I can understand how they fell off. We expected a fall off to league average, but not to awful. But I guess what the really matters, what it really comes down to, is Cooter and the offense. Yeah, <laughs> tell me more about the Cooter. But really, tell me more about Calvin Johnson's ankle, because that's the only thing I care about, because I'm not starting anybody else on this goddamn team. It, at this point, um, you know, it's scary, of course, when you're reading that he's missing a Friday practice, that he's, you know, only doing a walkthrough on, on Wednesday and getting in a very limited, you know, limited session on Thursday. But at this point, all that Detroit is really doing with him is just monitoring, monitoring his, his uh, reps, and he... You can't put too much on a 30-year-old who's six foot five and carrying 230 pounds. You know, if you start running him in practice, that ankle's going to flare up. That leg's going to flare up. His knees. You know, I mean, it's he's getting to that age where you got to just monitor him a little bit and you know tail back his reps. So I, you know, it's like I said, it's a little bit scary to think about and to read. You know, when you're reading the news and the things going through the wire. But believe me, he's going to play, and he's going to get a monster load of targets, and uh, it's that's just the way it's going to be. Because Golden Tate, I got to tell you, he was. I know that I, I hate to throw Houdini under oh, the bus. I'm a, I'm a Golden Tate believer, and you are too, I guess. But listen, that guy does not look the same this year. He looks awful. He looks scared to catch the ball. He looks scared to go across the middle. He's dropping balls left and right, and it's just. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 tough to get him in there. You know, it's it's tough to put him down in the rankings exactly where I really believe he should be. Which honestly, right now, I, I want to put him down in the sixties. Cool. But I have, I have a tough time doing it uh, simply because that offense can click, and they do need that second receiver to be doing something, especially with the running game being so. Uh, Joint God, belly. God awful. Joint yeah. belly. <laughs> yeah, and you know, with all the pressure being put on Calvin. He, I hate to say, regardless of the fact that he's probably the best, still the best, you know, most talented receiver in the league. You can't handle all that pressure. You need to have somebody else step up. And I'm, you know, I, I know they're trying to get Tate involved a little bit, but with that fear that he's showing of going across the middle and the drops and you know, looking over his shoulder, it just, I don't know. It's it's tough to get him in your in your lineups nowadays. The only thing 
Only other guy I would consider starting is maybe Eric Ebron. Do you, where is he sort of in your range? Is he a tight end one this week? He's is he on a tight the end cusp. Two? He's right on the cusp of tight end one, but I think he'd be better off um, right at the front edge of the tight end two. Green Bay does give up a little bit to the tight end position. Uh, the, the, you know, the linebackers tend to either rush in a little bit or mirror somebody else because, I mean, they're fast. They can, they can take care of you know, other things on the field, but they kind of let the tight end slide here and there. And tight ends a, a lot are used as blockers against this team because somebody like Clay Matthews will just destroy you if you don't have an extra blocker. You know, if you don't have somebody else picking up blitzes or something like that. So, I mean, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting, but I think that he could be used this week. It's right on the cusp. I don't think he's going to have an outstanding game, but... He'll be used in this one. He'll be targeted. Let's move on to Darren McFadden and Des Bryant versus the Tampa Bay Bucks, because I'm not starting Matt Castle, even with a sort of pristine sort of streaming matchup. He'd still be like, if I did rankings, you know, quarterback 20, because he's awful. Like, yeah. he is not good at football right now. He hasn't been in a couple years. Like, why, why should we? You probably have him lower than that. No, actually, right now I have him at 19. And that's simply because I've uh, I gotta See, tell seen you, it. <laughs> no, I mean, there's certain guys that you would think would normally be above him. I have probably one, two, three, four, five guys that you would think would normally be above him. I have below him this week because I have just, first of all, one of them is, and we'll get to these guys, but one of them is Sam Bradford. Uh, regardless of that matchup, which you can move the ball in the Dolphins. He, when the Eagles are putting up 35 points and he doesn't get his first touchdown pass until, you know, last week when Jordan Matthews caught that one and was it overtime? Overtime. Yeah, overtime. I mean, that's just abysmal. And he's, I mean, he's literally one of the worst streamable quarterbacks in the entire league. And it's tough because that offense allows for a lot of points, but he's just not doing it. Um, I have Stafford below him, you know, and I, I don't think Stafford's going to have a very good game against uh, the Packers. I've lost all faith in him. Everybody wants to jump on Marcus Mariota's jock right now, but the one thing that you have to remember in fantasy, and I say it time and time again, I'm going to say it one more time, you got to have a short, short, short memory because once the last week's gone, you got to look to the next week. You can't just, you can't keep following. You can't chase the numbers is what I call it. You can't chase what happened last week. Because last week was last week. It's gone. It's a whole new team they have to play. It's going to be a whole new game plan. I don't see Mariota blowing up the same way he did last week against the Saints. The Saints, anybody could score on. This week, he plays the Panthers. He's not going to be doing what he did last week. It's not going to work that way. Another one is uh, James Winston, who we're going to talk about in a minute here. I think people would maybe think that he could get something going. He hasn't thrown interceptions lately. He's been doing all right. The Cowboys have been better against the pass than you would think they have. And with only Mike Evans there... Uh, to do anything, I don't think, by the way, as long as we're talking about the game, I think they're going to hold Austin's fair Jenkins out one more game. That That's the word on the street right now. The Twitter buzz is he's not going to play. Again. It's freaking it, me out. It, well, he hasn't been cleared by the medical staff, which is the real, real question, and he's frustrated by that. Uh, the team seems frustrated by that. But, you know, if you're not cleared, you're not going to play. That's just the way it works. So, you know, you can't wait around for him, even though it's a noon game. I just wouldn't do it. The Cowboys don't really give it up to tight ends, even without Sean Lee in the game, potentially without Rolando McLean as well, which could be a, if both of those guys don't play, you know, then I'm starting to consider them a yeah. little bit. Absolutely. But but still, I, I don't know if I could wait around. First games back are also a tough one for 
most anybody, you know, I mean, I, you can ask anybody from, you know, Deshaun Jackson, you know, when he, uh, when he came back from, from his injury, he was just terrible, you know, last week. And he should have been able to do something, but he was pretty bad. It'll be different for him this week, if you ask me. We'll get to that game. But it's tough coming back off an injury and being jump, you know, jump right into game action. It's very different than practices, obviously. you got to get a feel back for it. you got to get back up to game speed. So even if ASJ uh, gets back into the lineup, um, I'm not so sure he'd be a great play anyway. Yeah. But back to uh, what we were talking about with the Cowboys. I got a question for you. Yeah. Doug Martin and Darren McFadden, both top ten running backs this week? I have uh, them both right on the cusp. I think that I think that it's a definite with... Okay, top 12. I'll give you a little bit of leeway. Yeah. Running me... back ones. Yeah, no, no, no. Actually, they are. They're both top ten. They're both top ten plays this week, and I think that that's the way it goes. Doug Martin's going to be used a ton. In this one, and if there's one thing you can do against Dallas this year, it's run. I think they gave up the second most amount of uh, fantasy points a game to the running back position. Martin's been looking great. He's looked, he's looked phenomenal. They're using him the right way. He looks rejuvenated, and uh, he's putting up the points for you. So, got to get him going. And Darren McFadden, plain and simple, volume, 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 volume. It makes the biggest difference in in fantasy sports is. You can't score points if you don't have the ball. Plain and simple. Yeah, if you get the ball 30 times, you're probably going to average four yards a touch. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. That's that's 12 fantasy points. At least, yeah, <laughs> right there. You could throw maybe a touchdown in there. Tampa Bay, you know, allows things to happen. So, yeah, he's a top 10 play as well. Tampa Bay, on the other hand, has been pretty good on defense this mm-hmm. year. They've been better than even advertised. I think they were starting to be talked up a little bit. And uh, they were starting to get things together, getting the right personnel in place. And they've been playing. You know, they've been playing very well this year. So it's not going to be as easy as it looks. But, uh, yeah, it's, I still think that McFadden's a good play. Let's move on to the Panthers and Marcus Mariota and the Titans. Sure. The Offensive Player of the Week last week, or the Offensive Rookie of the Week, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, who just, yeah, it was the Saints. These are the Panthers. Uh, let's see, things that can happen in this game. They hit you, and they hit you hard. Yeah. And Mariota does not have the greatest supporting cast around him. Uh, we're talking about guys like Antonio Andrews, and Kendall Wright's already been ruled out for that game. Correct. So you're counting on another you know, six-catch game from DGB, yep. or you're counting on another touchdown from Dustin Hunter, or, yeah, I think the tight ends will be in play because they have been in play all season. Yep. This is the, what, second-best tight end unit in terms of fantasy points? Yeah, the and they're all being used. I mean, even Stevens is being used. I mean, it's just it's, it's outstanding. It's, <laughs> I've never seen the tight end position used so diversely, but they kind of have to, you know, I mean, I don't, uh, Justin Hunter doesn't quite have the repertoire to, you know, be a full-time, let's get this guy, you know, nine, ten uh, t- targets type of guy, that's just not going to happen for him, at least not yet, uh, and of course, Doyle Green Beckham, he's, while talented as all hell, didn't play college last year, is just, you know, j- jumping into the pros, kind of cold, and yeah, I mean, with the talent and the height and the and the the speed, he could he could definitely do something. But I'm not going to depend on six catches out of him for any amount of yards. And then Harry Douglas, while you know, of course, he's he's a veteran, he's been around for a while, and he's savvy. He's not a streamable play, you know. I mean, he, he's four for forty. He's Harry Douglas. Exactly, four for forty. <laughs> That's what he's going to do pretty much every week for you when he's manning that slot or even the outside in the you know starting uh, starting slot. You know, in the starting. Uh, Start of the game, he plays on the outside for a minute. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Mariota is definitely not going to get it going on this game. Carolina can be a very vicious, hard-hitting defense, and when they want to take care of business, they take care of business. 
Okay, and how about on offense? Is there any of the big three Carolina Panthers in Cam Newton, Jonathan Stewart, or Greg Olson that you wouldn't start this week? That I wouldn't start this week. Interesting. Um, no, I would start them all. The one that I would be iffy about, that I'm always iffy about, is Jonathan Stewart. Because he's touchdown or bust, sort of. It is a touchdown or bust. I mean, he may get his, you know... He's going to get 20 carries yeah, I mean, for 80 to 120 yards. Yeah. That, if, but and he's if, not going to catch anything. Like, what, what happened to his receiving game this season? Like, he's got, what, eight catches for 40 yards or something on the year? I know. It's, it's really disappointing, but... I don't know. What are you going to do? Cam Newton likes to, you know, he likes the limelight. He likes to steal the show. You know, whenever he can, he'll take off running nowadays. You know, I think I talked about it on the, the uh, podcast Heavy a few days ago. He is on pace to have the most rushing attempts of any quarterback ever since 1950. And I can't, I can't recall exactly who that quarterback is, but he's beating his own record in, in you know, number of rushing attempts in a season. And that's going to continue. He's, he's doing it well, and, you know, yeah, he's definitely a start this week. So let's go to the next game then. You know, there's nobody else to talk about on the Panthers. No, that's so good. Because uh, you cannot pay me enough to talk about Devin Funches. Oh, did, <laughs> did, did, did you listen? Did you, did you hear my ripping on you for the, for the Funches? No. Oh, uh, yeah. I, you uh, like my write-ups for Funches lately? <laughs> that's the, the write-up for the Funches. That's what I ripped you on. I asked something like... Uh, I know that uh, <laughs> the only reason why I'm do you know I'm writing this up is because Dog still has him in his rankings for some reason. I'm just giving it his due diligence or something like that. <laughs> yeah, sure enough, much. he goes three for eighty-two with a touchdown or something like that. He hadn't had a hundred yards on the season, mm-hmm. but uh, combined yeah, <laughs> in no, total. So let's talk about our Bears versus the Rams. And with the Bears, there's three big things going on with their injuries. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey's got a questionable tag. Their best defender in Parnell McPhee has a questionable tag. And now they slapped a questionable tag on Matt Forte. So what does that sort of lead you to believe? Okay. Forte, and this is my best educated guess, is not going to play. Alshon Jeffrey, think, I think they were just, while he's, he is a tiny bit banged up, um, I heard that they, he was walking around in the locker room without a limp. And if he really has a, a bad groin, you're limping. And anybody who's had a pulled groin or anything wrong with their groin, you walk with a limp, a slight limp, no matter what. And all, every reporter, to a T, to a single man, said that they saw him walking around in the locker room after practice on Wednesday or Thursday or whatever, and he was not limping at all. So I, I have full faith that he's going to play. Um, as for uh, McPhee, I, I, I really couldn't tell you one way or another. Either way, Gurley is a must-play. I mean, I don't think there's any way you can sit Gurley. No. Like, not. you're not... People... Sometimes ask questions, girly or, and I, I just don't answer. Like you shouldn't be asking me girly or questions anymore. No, <laughs> like this is how I respond to those questions. Yeah, this is not that, that, uh, that's not a question anymore. That is an admission of retardation. <laughs> Excuse me for using that word, but that's pretty much saying you have no idea what fo- you've never watched football before. And then let's see who else you're going to start. Martellus Bennett, if you own him, probably is Jay Cutler a streaming option for you? No. Uh, matter of fact, I think Cutler is going to have uh, his worst game of the year. Uh, the Rams' pass defense, their whole defense in general, but their pass defense is outstanding. And while the the Bears have done a, the Bears coordinator specifically, while they have done an outstanding job this year, absolutely outstanding, they should be up for Coach of the Year's award. Honestly, uh, Gase has been just outstanding to be on both sides of the ball. They start four rookies. That's just unheard of to start four rookies on both sides of the ball. It's just ridiculous. 
Um, so for them to be doing what they're doing and stay, not just staying in games, but actually winning some games is just beyond. And Cutler looks better than he's looked in his career, if you ask me. But that's not going to translate into a good game against this St. Louis Rams team. They rush that passer. They're going to get to him, even though he's been doing very well lately in avoiding the rush and getting out of the pocket when necessary or staying in the pocket when necessary. It's going to collapse on him this week, and it's not going to work out well for him. He's just uh, he's a terrible option this week, in my opinion. Anybody else outside of Todd Gurley we're starting on the Rams? We're, Tavon Austin. I mean, they've got two players on offense, yeah, right? Yeah, that's, that's it. I mean, Tavon Austin. I, I know that they picked up Wes Welker this week and that Stedman Bailey was suspended for four games. Welker, my guess is that he won't be active this week. And maybe he will be, maybe he won't be. Either way, uh, he won't know enough of the offense and he won't get the ball. He, there's just it's, That's just not a play. Britt is a hit or miss. Kenny Britt obviously is a hit or miss. You know, if he's a hit, it means he caught one 45-yard pass out there and maybe gets another 10 yards or another 20 yards on top of that. But in general, this is not a passing offense. This is not a team that uh, gets going. I mean, Foles, I think, has one 200-plus-yard game on the entire year. So that, that's just not an option for you, that passing. But one of the big reasons why Tavon Austin is playable, of course, is because he runs at least five times out of the backfield and averages somewhere around like eight yards a rush or seven yards a rush, which is just ridiculous. You know, his speed, that's one thing that the Bears don't have, is speed. So it's going to be tough, you know, to wrap their hands around Austin. If you saw, you know, Danny Woodhead last week, it was running circles around him. He was getting open. He was just running circles around him. He dropped a few balls, but he would have had just an outstanding game if he didn't drop those balls. And I know people might think Jared Cook, you know, might think that, yeah, last year the Chicago Bears had the worst defense against tight ends. This year they're damn good. This year they have been guarding tight ends really well, so I don't even consider a Cook a streaming option. So let's move on to the next game. That pretty much covers everything there. Mm-hmm. We've got the Saints and the Redskins. This one looks pretty lopsided to me just because of how on fire this, you know, passing game has been lately. But remember, when the Redskins started earlier this season, they were starting, what, David Amerson at one of their corners, mm-hmm. and they were the worst against wide receivers in the league. Since jettisoning him, they've been a little bit better. <laughs> they've been a little bit better, and D'Angelo Hall is going to be back this week, too. Not that that's the biggest upgrade, you know, with his age and everything, but it's still, I mean, it, it helps a little bit. Either way, Breeze doesn't play as well on the road, plain and simple. You know, he's, he's an ass-kicker at home, always has been. And always will be, as long as he's playing. He is just a, he's a dome player. But you put him on the road, it's not going to be the same thing. You know, I mean, I, I think if he was at home and the Redskins were coming to town, I might rank him first above Tom Brady this week. That, that's how well he's been playing and hooking up with his receivers. But at this point, uh, I, I think I have him down at four simply because he is hot. And even though the Redskins have been doing better, he's got it going on right now. So he's a definite play. Ingram's a definite play. Sneed and, and Cooks are both definite plays, even though Sneed's uh, you know, got a little injury bug going on. I think he's fine. He got back into practice in there, uh, today, and he should, he should be ready to go. The question is, what's going on with those tight ends? I love, and I talked about this a month, month and a half ago, said the main reason that the Saints aren't working is because they're not using the tight ends. And that's what made them go before. It may be a slightly different offense, but Breeze knows how to use that tight end. He passes extremely well to tight ends. And they have a few of them that are viable. You know, I mean, Josh, Josh Hill and uh, 
Michael, you know, uh, who who wanna wanna who wanna 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 high got a touchdown last week, and then vultures, vultures, and then of course Ben Watson had his what six for sixty something, you know, re- receptions, and the week before he was outstanding. So the tight ends, you know, I do like a Ben Watson this week. I think he can get it going on, and you're taking a long shot chance on you know either the other guys, but you know whatever. It's that's neither here nor there. Let's move on to the other side of the ball. Sure. Matt Jones, Alfred Morris, Chris Thompson. Or the only one that really should be talked about is probably Matt Jones at this point, right? Yes and no. Um, I, yes, I, I have Chris. I mean uh, Matt Jones as the top uh, running back of those three this week. There's that's a I think a no brainer. He is he's a hard nosed runner, but he can also work in the passing game. Something that neither Chris Thompson or uh, Alfred Morris have. They're either one or the other. Matt Jones can do both, and I think this is the type of game where he can get it going on there. However, if there is one game where Alfred Morris could actually maybe do something, it's this one. You know that they're going to, right out of the gates, try try to uh, establish the run a little bit. And against this New Orleans defense, you can maybe do it. They may want to do that for a little while, and Morris may get 8 to 10 carries, and before you know it, he's got 40 yards, 40, 50 yards. It's a real possibility. Does he get his first touchdown of the season? That is a legitimate (laughs) possibility as well. I would normally, at this point, against any other team, probably have them ranked down in the 50s. Right now, I have them a lot higher than I'd had them before, 38. That's not all that high, of course. It makes them at most a flex. But if you're going to take a chance just out of nowhere and you've held on to them and other guys have buys for you or something, I'm not saying it's a worthwhile chance, but it's a chance. Um, And uh, on the other side of the stick there with, uh, with, uh, uh, with Chris Thompson, Yes, he's a passing game guy, and if the Redskins happen to go down by a lot, he might start to get some work in there and get some touches. But I think Matt Jones is the man to play in this one. I mean, we keep saying that if they get down a lot, and they have been getting down a lot, and they still have been using a lot of Chris Thompson. True. Ever since Chris Thompson went down with his injury, they've sort of worked Matt Jones more in the passing game to get him work as a feature back. Yeah. And that's just one thing that I think is going to continue for the rest of the season. So let's look at their wide receivers a little bit going against the Saints defense who can be burnt. You know, Deshaun Jackson has that long speed that the Saints can't really, really cover. They don't have anybody with pure speed in the backfield. You know, Malcolm Jake, uh, Malcolm Jenkins has been gone there. Jerry Spurd's been injured. Uh, you know, what, what's their guys now? Brew Jones or something now? Yeah, I, I can't even say pronounce his name, yeah. but he is more of the bigger physical type corner. And, you know what, Browner yeah. uh, playing one of those guards. Oh, my God. These guys can absolutely get burnt by deep speed. And, you know, Deshaun really didn't look like he was all the way back last week. So hopefully he looks like he's all the way back this week. And then somehow Pierre Garçon is going to get you six fantasy points with four catches. So if you play in PPR leagues, he's good for probably about ten points. Yeah, i got to tell you, they're both playable. I think that Deshaun Jackson comes back and has a really good game in this one. It's going to be at home. And it's going to be against a very, like you were saying, a very beatable Saints defense. They're going to want to get him involved and get him involved big time. I I think that that's uh, uh, going to be a really good play for this week. I think that Garcon cleans up, you know, some of the mess as well. He'll get his his due, like you said. And uh, Crowder, I think he actually gets some play too. Last week he had six catches as well. Crowder has like six catches for like the last six games or something. Yeah. And the thing is with Crowder, he just doesn't score a touchdown, or else everybody would be all over this dude's jock this season. Absolutely. He's, he's second among rookies in catches. I think he's got like 
43 or something now on the year. Uh, definitely an underrated type option. But he just not scoring right now, and that's something that's really hurting him. And then it's because Jordan Reed has become a sort of go-to guy in the red zone for them. Yeah, the Reed's a great play this week. Uh, New Orleans is extremely beatable uh, when it comes to the tight end. They weren't so much last year, but like you said, everything's been going kind of opposite. You know, really opposite this year for uh, you know guarding against the tight ends. What used to be the worst tight end. Uh, you know, against tight ends last year, such as like you know Arizona, Arizona, Arizona exactly, or Dallas or Chicago. The three of those teams are both top uh, top five, or all three top five teams against tight ends. But so obviously, Reed's very playable. I loved Crowder before the season started. I knew he would eventually beat out Andre Roberts. Uh, so it's it's good to see him involved as much as he is. So let's talk about Dolphins Eagles. This is one of those games that I'm sort of excited to watch in in the slate of muck. That they've got ahead of it. We just talked about it a little bit. You know, you know, who are the new look, you know, Dolphins? They've looked pretty much crappy the last two weeks. After looking great the two weeks before that, and crappy the two weeks before that, and you know, who are they? Are they Lamar Miller's team? Are they Ryan Tannehill's team? Are they a passing offense? Is Rashad is Richard Matthews the guy? Is Jarvis Landry the guy? Like Holy question marks on this offense. Yeah, it's it is a quagmire there. It's just something that's really tough to figure out at this point. You know who exactly is going to be the second receiver on the team. Say, you know, I mean, uh, Rashad Rashad Matthews could get you, you know, six for one hundred and twenty in a touchdown, or he can go third fiddle to a Kenny Stills who uh, gets involved here and there. You know, nowadays, and you know, <clears throat> Stills maybe puts up you know five for eighty three or something in a game. Landry always get his, you know, he's going to always get the most targets, and he's the most dynamic, to, you know, after the catch, too. He does a lot with it, it seems like. It's, yeah, his, his yards per catch aren't very good, but he's fun to watch, I'll tell you that. Um, I think what you normally get from this Dolphins team is a much better, uh, it's the type of offense that doesn't do well against hard-nosed pressure, Really good defense, uh, defensive pressure, which most of the, you know most of the teams that they've played thus far are, especially in their division. But you go outside the division, and granted, the Eagles are still aren't the greatest defense, but they've definitely improved off of last year. You know, they're they 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 guard against that rush really well right now. I think they're uh, third best in fancy points per game uh, this year, whereas last year not so much. Grand, they're still giving up a bunch to wide receivers, which is why I think that Landry should have himself a nice one. Can we uh, just say something about Landry? Sure. Fifteen touches last week. Yeah. Fifteen touches. Touches. Like, he's been getting touches all over the field, and I think he's got double-digit targets in four straight games. Yep. And he's just consistent. Like, if you're in PPR leagues, you know what he's going to get you. Uh, you know, He's one of my stalwarts in DFS plays. Yeah. You know, he's right around that range where he's a solid number two with lots of, you know, very safe downside and lots of upside. So he's one of those guys that I really enjoy slotting into my lineup because it gives me a lot of flexibility with upside and downside in other positions. For sure. Uh, And then, you know, I think Lamar Miller will be fine against this Eagles defense. I think it's more just the fact that he'll be good out of the backfield as a receiver. Uh, I think that's something where he should be showcased a little bit more. And people are always asking right now, they're looking for that late season running back, and they're asking a lot about Jay Ajayi. You got any sort of quick hits on Ajayi before we move on? Well, I remember also saying before the season that I I thought that Ajayi was 
as talented as a Lamar Miller, which could actually prove to be true. Who knows? I do love Lamar Miller now, too. I wasn't totally on board with him, but uh, after watching him a bit now, uh, this, this season, even though it hasn't been the greatest season, obviously, for the Dolphins in general, you can see that Lamar Miller is really, really good. You know, he's, he's just very well-rounded, um, and he's, I mean, he's definitely bigger than you think he is, and he's a little faster than you think he is, and he could do a little more damage uh, in any facet of the game than you would maybe think. But the uh, fact that matters is that Ajayi played so well last week and does have a lot of talent that they were willing to get rid of Jonas Gray and willing to, willing to just stick with Ajayi as their last, you know, as their second uh, running back for the remainder of the season, and he is going to siphon off some touches, plain and simple. They do want to keep uh, Miller healthy. They don't want to get, it's unfortunate, but they don't want to give Miller 25 touches in a game. They would prefer to keep him right around 20 so that he's still, you know, not ho- he's always not huffing and puffing at the end of games, which is, I think it's a good strategy, but they got to stay in games to be able to utilize that at the end of games. So, I don't know, I, I do like Ajayi, but he's not going to get enough touches uh, just yet to start, you know, throwing in there a la, you know, Carlos Williams or something like that. Yeah, I definitely agree. He's a long-term play, but you're really just hoping for some sort of injury. I don't think they'll just take the ball away from Lamar Miller at any point this season. I think this team is still thinking that they're going to be a sort of offense that's going to get it going at some point, and that this is still a playoff-bound team. But I don't know if that you know real opportunity exists anymore. But flipping over to the Eagles, these running backs, you know, they've got a pristine sort of matchup. You know, uh, what they're allowing 24 fantasy points a game to running backs. So Demarco Murray is going to be involved. Ryan Matthews has just looked awesome in limited work. Uh, I've been super super impressed with him in this offense. Uh, you know. The last, the last couple of weeks we talked about how they're sort of flipping that inside zone and outside zone and sort of letting the guys do what they're best at. And then, you know, Darren Sproles says, please stop asking Darren Sproles questions right now because he's sort of been phased out of the offense. Like, they trust these other two running backs enough catching the ball that they're not trying to use Darren Sproles too much on offense. They're trying to use him as a returner where he can be most effective for this team, you know. Talk about other guys on this team. You know, Zach Ertz has you know gotten a steady stream of targets all season long. The touchdowns just haven't been there. He's gotten red zone targets. The touchdowns just haven't been there, and that's something he needs to happen because he's like he's up there in terms of yardage stats and you know reception stats. Uh, you know, along the lines of last season, a little bit better in some cases. So you think he's eventually going to score, and if he scores four times down the stretch, he could be a viable, viable tight end for you. But it's hard to trust anything you've seen. It is. is, Of course, it's it's definitely hard to trust anything you've seen this far. But the fact of the matter is, is that uh, we and we talked about this plenty, you know, before the season started, and uh, even into the first few weeks of the season, that an offense like this which has a new quarterback and a new wide receiver one, and they're trying to, you know, getting Ertz on the field a lot more and new running backs. Um, it was going to take a long time to jump. It wasn't going to happen right away. And sure enough, it, it didn't. And it's, and it's just now starting to click a little bit. And it's not, it's not all the way back. It's not all the way to where that offense was just you know, a, co- a constant barrage of fantasy points for you like it was last year. But now it is starting to click a little bit more. And Bradford came out and said uh, just recently, he's like, 
you know what, we're starting to feel our flow. We're starting to understand what this offense is about, and everybody's starting to understand their job, and we're getting better at it. And it showed last game. I mean, they pulled out a nice victory in the end. Of course, the fantasy points weren't quite there for Bradford, but they are starting to get it together. The thing is, this is now a team that runs solely through the running backs. Valverde. And while it might not be just on the ground, while it might be also through the air to the running backs, this team runs through the running backs Mm -hmm. like completely. And that's a little bit different than how they were in the past where they'd also get Macklin involved and Deshaun involved and these other type of wide receivers. But it's more of, you know, just these running backs and then Jordan Matthews. And that's their entire offense. And you just have to be okay with that. Yeah, unfortunately, it's uh, it's a big switch from last year. Last year, the outside uh, guys, uh, you know, Macklin was playing on the outside a bunch. He got a lot of his yards, uh, you know, deeper, whatever. And, uh, it, you know, he was just, out, 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 he was outstanding that way. And when you have a one-two punch like Matthews was playing out of the slot last year, and he was outstanding in that capacity. But when you don't have somebody stepping up, they're trying to make Jordan Matthews the wide receiver one, and you, it's tough to have your wide receiver one be the slot receiver. It's, I mean, as Green Bay will tell you at this point, when Devontae Adams was out, that offense just didn't click. And without, obviously, Jordy uh, you know, Nelson there, it's not clicking as well. It's tough to figure out exactly how to rework the offense because trying to turn Randall Cobb into the wide receiver one there, it's not working, and it, sh- it showed. I mean, it shows up in Randall Cobb's stats pretty much every week. He had a, I mean, a full six, five, six straight weeks where it was just brutal. Tough to watch and, you know, tough to take on your fantasy team, honestly. But it's kind of the same thing here with Jordan Matthews. While he's getting all the targets, it's not to- it's not fully translating into wide receiver one type of stats that you want. So without other people stepping up with a, a rookie, Aguilar, being hurt and not involved in the offense as much early because he didn't quite know the playbook as, as well as was advertised. Everybody said he did know, but obviously didn't. You could see that it just wasn't working out. But with every new part trying to work in there, it just it takes a while, but right now it's starting to click a little bit. Hopefully Aguilar coming back. Hopefully he's got the playbook down a little bit more and he's back up to speed. Maybe you're right. As as this season goes along in these last five, six weeks or something, you might start to see some fantasy points coming your way. Yep. Let's move on to the next game. It looks like the Browns are leaning towards starting Johnny Manziel. This is what's being reported. It looks like he's going to be the guy this week. So fuck you, Gary Barnage owners. Yeah, that's uh, it's one of my actually. If uh, if it turns out that Menzel is is starting, then my ranking switch quite a bit. Uh, that puts Benjamin down. That puts Barnage down, and it's uh, not just a couple of slots either. That puts him down a, a good amount of slots. Last week, um, I think, I mean, I knew right away that obviously it was going to be Menzel. I, I had him in there my whole the whole week, and I had him down near the bottom of the tight end one, your top of tight end two, I think, or somewhere around there. Because it just, it's not the same. Uh, McCown is a very different quarterback than Menzel. And he, while Menzel played pretty well, you know, i got, I got to admit, he played pretty well, at least in the first half of that Thursday night game. Um, it's just not the same. He, uh, it, uh, he doesn't have the wherewithal. He doesn't have the knowledge of uh, where to get that ball uh, so that Barnage can make the, mess, uh, the best of it or that Benjamin can make the best of it. Granted, it was a tough defense he was going up against in Cincinnati, playing in Cincinnati, but still... Uh, it's just not the same, and I wouldn't expect the same out of any of them if Menzel starts. 
And, like, the thing is, he doesn't try to go to Gary Barnage early. Like, Gary Barnage has been their best player pretty much all season long. Yep. Um, you know, in games outside of when Manziel has played. But I'm pretty sure through the first half, he targeted him, like, twice. So that means through the first, like, eight quarters Johnny Manziel played with Gary Barnage, he targeted this guy, like, five total times. Yeah. So the targets aren't there. He ended up with seven targets, so you weren't, you know, wholly depressed. But... The thing is, it's a totally different passing game. He attempts like half the passes that McCown would attempt. Yeah. And, you know, it changes the offense, it changes the running backs and how they use each of the running backs because they like to use Crowell more than they use Manziel. And they like that sort of, you know, power in the end, uh, uh, power up the middle and potentially Johnny Manziel coming around the end with, uh, with Crowell. And they like the little Duke Johnson shake and bake a little bit too. It just sort of changes everything about this football team. And it's not good for fantasy owners. No, it's definitely not. I mean, the Steelers, they're going to be, I mean, they're going to be a little pissed, obviously, and I think they're going to take it to the Browns. But the rush defense is very good. It has been all season. They're giving up very few fantasy points. Uh, so I wouldn't expect a ton out of Crowell or, or, or Duke Johnson, but I expect Duke to probably get some more points than more points than Crowell on, on fewer touches. They'll try and get Crowell involved, but uh, it's not going to work out as soon as Pittsburgh starts scoring. They're going to have to move to a more of a passing game. It's, a lot of this really depends on if it's Menzel or, or uh, McCown in there. So, I mean, watch for that and play accordingly, obviously. On the other side of the ball, while it's not completely out of the question that Roethlisberger plays, my guess is that it's going to be Landry Jones, and that obviously affects everybody. Yeah, he's got a questionable tag. That seems really, really... Uh, optimistic. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's going to play either. I, I don't understand why they would. I think they could beat the Browns at home, you know, just using this run game. I watched today, I just watched cut-ups of this offensive line, mm-hmm. and oh my God, are these guys run-blocking well. Yeah. Like, they are the best run-blocking unit I have seen this season. Because I think they're averaging like 3.3 yards before their running back is contacted. It's touched. That's and unreal. that's the best... You know, number in the league. So, yeah, we want to talk about how well D'Angelo is playing. Let's give a let's give a little hat tip to the big boys. We don't get it too much oh, because sure. these guys are the engine that is driving this team with Mike Vick at quarterback, with Jarvis or Landry Jones at quarterback, with Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. It doesn't matter who it is. They are opening up run blocking holes. And let's see what does Cleveland allow to happen to them every game. Get ran all over. So, yeah, you're going to start D'Angelo Williams. Plain and simple. And, you know, you're going to start Antonio Brown. The real, I guess, question mark, you're probably not going to start Heath Miller with Landry quarterback. But the real question mark is just Martavis Bryant. He's a question mark. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, with Roethlisberger in there, you definitely start him. But, yeah, without Roethlisberger, he's always going to be a question mark because he doesn't – he's not a volume guy. You know, and uh, he's it's you know it's either a, a really nice deep ball or him making something you know on his own. I, I still think he's playable, but he's further down the rankings than I've had him in the past. That's for sure. Uh, it, it's uh, he's playable though. I, I couldn't sit him at this point. He just does. He's able to do too many things. I mean, did you see own. the touchdown? <laughs> Unreal. Uh, it, whoop 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 whoop. You know, as uh, <laughs> it's all right, Daisy. We're just uh, doing a podcast. Here. It, you know, it's uh, it's 
He's he's one of the most fun. I mean, of course, Antonio Brown is too, but he is probably the f- most fun wide receiver to watch in the entire entire league. He just what he does with that ball in his hands, and he without the ball in his hands, if you just watch him run routes too, uh, he's just a, just a speedster, and he's tall, and he's somewhat you know you know thin, but it just he moves so quickly and so fluidly. It's just fun to watch. Let's move on to the next game with the Jaguars and the Ravens. Uh, the Jaguars' offense is going to be highly, highly owned in DFS formats. Blake Bortle and Allen Robinson are going to be highly, highly owned in tournament play. So I, I went with a different combo because of that, knowing that. I went with Bortles and Allen Hearns, uh, just thinking to maybe get a little bit of the action, but not quite what everybody else is getting. I think Allen Robinson is going to be like 45 to 50% owned, like girly-level numbers. Uh, you know, I don't really trust anybody else on that offense this week going against the Ravens. You know, if you have Yeldon, he's been so, like, consistent and steady. He's been a steady 10-point force for you that you're probably going to end up playing him. But he's a guy to sort of temper expectations with because this game is just... Right now it looks like, you know, good passing offense against a bad passing defense. Like, those things... This is one of those trap games, I feel like, a little bit. I, I do, too. I, I'm a, it's a weird trap that I feel is coming here, but uh, it does have all the makings of the Jaguars just passing the ball over the, all over the place because the Baltimore Ravens' pass defense is atrocious. It just it really is, and they can't guard anybody. They can't cover anybody. And it's, I mean, when you have talented receivers like uh, you know the Allen brothers and Robinson and uh, Hearns, you want to use him, and then you got you know, of course, Julius Thomas and Yeldon can catch a pass or two, and Marquise Lee might be back this week. Oh, don't you don't even include him. In I'm, this not, I'm not going to though, because <laughs> they said that even if he is back, he'll be slotted as a wide receiver four because uh, Brian Walters has been doing just fine, you know, and he's been doing actually really well as that slot receiver, as that third receiver. So I'm, yeah, I mean, they're all playable. Her, the only question mark is Hearns, if you ask me. He's been injured all week. He's been playing through injuries all season, so it wouldn't shock me if he plays. But he hasn't practiced, really, this week. I think he went through a walkthrough once and might have been slightly limited today on Friday, um, but I'm not even sure of that. Either way, he says he's going to play. He expects to play. It's not totally his call, obviously, but uh, if he does play, yeah, yeah, he's definitely a guy that you want to get in there and start streaming. He said he's confident he's going to play. I'm not too worried about Alan Hearns in, in regards to his availability. Yeah. Talking about the other side of the ball, yeah. I, I guess the only guy you really are steadily starting, you love Flacco as a streamer this week. Yes. But. The guy you're going to start with more confidence is Justin Forsett. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Forsett's going to get a lot of work in this one. Uh, you'd expect him to. I mean, the Jaguars do give it up to you know, everyone. And everyone. I mean, they're, they're a better defense than than you'd think, but uh, they're still giving up a lot, you know, a lot of fantasy points there, partially because they're scoring as well, too. So, I mean, they're good giving the ball back to the other offense. Uh, you know, last year was due to turnovers. This year it's due to scoring a little bit more. So it's... Uh, either way, you want to be playing guys against the Jaguars' defense. Now, Flacco is a stud at home and a dud away. And whenever he plays at home, he's definitely a viable option. If he's a, a cheaper option in the DFS play, he's streamable. It's something that could be worked in there. Granted, there's no Steve Smith, so it doesn't look as appetizing. But Kamar Aiken can do some decent good out there. And the guy, I think, that is also a streaming option who will just be 
way down there in money spent uh, when it comes to uh, the DFS place is a Chris Gibbons. And they say that the rapport between him and Flacco is really getting uh, on key and on par. And he's, listen, he's a lot more talented than than you realize. Uh, he, he was just not used in the correct way over in St. Louis. He comes over here. They need that deep threat. They need exactly what he can do. They need what Torrey Smith left behind. And he's a, he fits that role exactly. He's still a youngster, too. It's not like he's 30 years old. I think he's only like 25, 26 years old. You know, so it's not like his legs are dead or anything. He's still got the speed. Uh, he could still do some damage. And to be honest, I think this is a game where he actually he gets some points. The Jaguars tend to give up big mistake plays. And that's something that some somebody like a Chris Gibbons can take advantage of. Uh, who else would I maybe start? Uh, uh, Crockett Gilmore. Uh, he's back, I think, fully healthy now. So he might get some decent play in this one. But your right for set is the number one guy to play on this uh, this week. I will. I, I just refuse to. <laughs> I, do too, I do, too. I do, too. It's not going to be my play, but he, you're definitely getting him in there, and it's very likely, I guess, that he puts up RB1, back-end RB1, at least, uh, type numbers. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the next game. Talk about the Vikings and the Raiders. Uh, let's see. I mean, they just... Talked about the Raiders and you know official uh, practice reports or official injury designations have now come out for Friday, and they listed both Latavius Murray and Amari Cooper as probable. So you're gonna have both those guys in your lineup. Latavius Murray's got some tough sledding ahead of him against this uh, Minnesota defense. Linval Joseph uh, looked awesome last week against St. Louis um, and was able to you know stifle Todd Gurley. Uh, for most of the game, I think Gurley had, what, 81 yards last week, but a lot of those yards came when that defense was gassed in the fourth quarter. Yep. Uh, what was it, like 60 yards or 56 yards came when he was gassed. So, you know, I don't really love Murray, but he's still the guy. He's a running back, too, because of the volume he gets week in and week out. And there's nobody to threaten him on this team. I think they have uh, Roy Hulu listed as their like running back five on their depth chart, and you know Marcel Reese is his direct handcuff, I guess. Uh, like <laughs> no, it, to be honest, I, I think it's uh, Hulu as as well. I mean, yeah, he was a, a scratch last week, uh, but it was the type of game where they actually. I don't know, he wasn't worth having on the roster, to be honest, because he's not that special in any particular uh, part of the game. They wanted a little more speed, so they left Taiwan Jones in there, which I thought was a mistake, and ended up being a mistake, and you know, fumbling, and just uh, getting crushed whenever, whenever he got the ball. So it just that obviously did not work out for him. But uh, you know, I think that Halu would be the guy to to play or whatever, and he's the, I think he's the handcuff, because he's, he's more of a possibility of a three-down runner, Reese isn't a three-down runner. Uh, he does really well on the backfield in terms of catching passes. Um, and Taiwan Jones, like I just said, he's too undersized. He's just not the type of guy that you need in there or want in there. So Hulu would be the backup there. But it is good to see that he's listed as probable Latavius Murray because that concussion. I mean, he looks like he's going to be in there. Yeah, it just it does. It looks like it. But he is going up against a, a very formidable defense. Outside of that first week, uh, it was, you know, against uh, San Francisco where Hyde ran all over them. They have just stymied, absolutely stymied everybody. You know, their defense is extremely good. And now, you know, with uh, it's, uh, Anthony Barr saying that he'll play, 
you know, this week because he was held out for a little bit there Wednesday and Thursday, a uh, linebacker there. Uh, it's the fact that he's going to be playing. It just doesn't look good. Doesn't look good for this uh, the running game here. However, passing tough, game tough to go against Carr at this point. You know, the guy is just he's a stud. Uh, I mean, I, we've been singing his praises, uh, you know, as well all off season, all during the season. That's one of the things that uh, surprisingly, I'll throw this out there. D Rex, you know, is all over this Oakland offense, completely completely changing. That it's not a thing, the same thing over and over. It was the same thing with Jacksonville. Jacksonville was not going to be the same, you know, dead stick, and neither neither was Oakland, and neither of them are. You know, there's fancy points to be had in both of those offenses. I do have Carr up there in my rankings this week. You know, he's he's just been doing too well. They're playing at home. Cooper's been outstanding. Crabtree's been just better, <laughs> ten times uh, better than I thought. You know, I thought he was pretty much. I didn't want to say done. But, wow, has he resurrected himself as being a force to be reckoned with out there. He catches everything. And he's really taking it, to, taking it to heart that, you know, nobody really wanted him. That he had to sign a one-year, prove it type of deal. So, this team is, and now they have Clyde Wolford, you know, actually in the mix and uh, getting starter reps and, and throwing himself out there. Yeah, he didn't have much uh, the week before or whatever, but he did have that touchdown. But he's going to be... Used a little bit more now too, and he's this offense just is you know, a, a force to be reckoned with, and it will be for a while. Color me a non-believer in Clive Walford this season. Like I just don't see that all coming together. And yeah, any tight end in the league can catch a wide open six-yard touchdown. Like that's things. And when you're a part of a passing game with Michael Crabtree, Latavius Murray, and Cooper, you're going to get some pretty good looks. Do I think he can steal a couple touchdowns here and there? Sure. But the things I need to see from a tight end to really start believing in him on a weekly basis, you know, the five catches for 60 yards, you know, two weeks in a row, like, believable, like, sample size things. Sure, agreed. <laughs> agreed. And it, uh, Oakland doesn't use the tight ends enough as is to make him, you know, a real option. But the kid's athletic. The kid can do whatever you want out there, and he's a much better blocker than a, than a Michael uh, Rivera, so he's going to be in that game. Flipping over to the other side, we've got uh, you know Adrian Peterson, and the only real consistent force, especially with Teddy Bridgewater, Bridgewater listed as uh, questionable for the game. I don't know if he's going to play. I highly doubt it, in my personal opinion. And if so, Sean Hill? See here, I, I, I don't think... Here, here's the difference. I don't think he should play. I don't think that the Vikings should trot him out there after that uh, that hit that was vicious, just absolutely vicious. And I mean, he was eyes closed out. You know, I mean, he was just out. Um, but he's passed through the protocol pretty quickly and you know very well so far. And I, I think that they are going to trot him out there. And it's and I agree with you in my opinion. I don't think he should be whatsoever, but I think they are going to end up trotting him out there, uh, which definitely helps a little bit. You don't want Sean Hill out there if you're. Uh, a Stefan Diggs owner or whatever. If there's something that you can do, is that true? Remember what Sean Hill does it's, as a backup quarterback. That's true. He feeds the number one. The one. That's he true. Fed the crap out of Calvin Johnson, and he what did he do last year when he was playing for the Rams? He fed the crap out of Brian Quick yep. and or Kenny Britt, whoever was in the lineup at the time. He just feeds the crap out of those guys the ball. So I don't know if I care too much. Yeah, no, you got a good point there. You got a good point. But, but um, it's not like you're starting to need the other guys. <laughs> that's well. The thing is, is that uh, against this Oakland pasty, which is pretty darn bad. Uh, their rush D has gotten a lot better, but their their pass D is still pretty awful. 
if there was a chance for you to finally maybe, maybe get Mike, I wouldn't trust him, but if you were to maybe get a Mike Wallace involved, this is a game where he could do something. Uh, it's, it's just one of those, I, I see this being one of those games where it's possible a lot of points are scored, and it can't all be AP, and it can't all be Stephon Diggs. Mike Wallace has got to, you know, that pride's got to be knocking at the back of his brain a little bit, saying, God, you got to do something, just something. And if there's a game to do it, this might be the one. Uh, let's talk about the Patriots and New York Giants. Real quick. Wait, wait, wait. Do we actually need to talk about this game? No, probably not. Uh, but real quick, the last thing I want to say on that last game, Oakland does suck against tight ends. If you want to take a, just a shot in the dark, it's a real viable shot. Kyle Rudolph could do something in this game. That's, a real... that's where some of the touchdowns could go to. Exactly. Kyle that's a legitimate possibility there. Anyway, moving on. Uh, the Giants-Patriots game, I really don't think... I, I don't know what you can talk about. I don't know what there is to talk about. Every, you're starting all the Patriots. You're starting all the Patriots, especially Rob Gronkowski. He's an interesting play in DFS because if anybody is as bad as Oakland against the tight ends, it's the New York football Giants. Period. So I will take the best tight end in football against the second worst uh, defending it. Just play those sort of odds, you know, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and if there's a if there's a team that Belichick will run up the score on, he does it normally anyway. But if he's not, if nobody, if nobody is going to feel bad about doing it, it's going to be against this Giants team. So they're going to keep going throughout the whole game. Okay, so let's talk about the uh, passing game, running back for the Patriots, and let's talk about maybe the running back rotation for the Giants very quickly. Okay, so I I think that. James White's going to get the first crack at it. I think he's going to, you know, be involved a little bit, and they're going to see what he can do. Granted, I think that, uh, I think Bolden, I think him Bolden maybe split a little bit this week. Uh, James White hasn't been uh, active, really, at all, and I know that Bolden knows the playbook back to, back to front, and I know that Belichick loves Bolden. Quite as a, a special teamer. <laughs> as a special teamer, but he's let go of so many running backs, and the only running back he always has just kept around is Bolden because he does love him. Yes, he loves him as a special teamer, but he knows that he can fill in if necessary. So he's, I mean, when it comes to that passing game running back, the one that's going to fill the Deion Lewis role, it's an up-in-the-air type of thing. You never know what's going to happen with Belichick, but I think that James White gets a chance first just because he's a little more, he's a little, sh- a little bit shiftier. Then a Bolin. Bolin's a little more upright, not not as shifty. Not he won't give you the same type of stuff that a Lewis or maybe a White could give you. Uh, but remember, Lewis. There's nobody even as close to a shifty as this guy. No, not even close. Not even close. Like so, the expectations for what you're getting out of James White, you can't expect Deion Lewis points. Like let's just go out there on a limb and say that from day one. James White will not score as many fantasy points as Deion Lewis was scoring for you. Like, face that fact. You know, live with it. The guy's gone, unfortunately. But he's been one of the best after-contact players in the NFL this season. One of the best at breaking tackles. And, you know, I apologize that he's gone. Like, it sucks. It does. Because he was one of the most electric players to watch. He was like watching Reggie Bush at USC. He was, I mean, every year there's one, two, three, maybe four guys that are just out of nowhere type of surprises that you're like, oh my God, I I really wish I had drafted that guy in like the 25th round of my draft. Deion Lewis was one of them. He was literally a viable RB1 on teams for a a few weeks, you know, three, four weeks there. Definitely an RB2. 
don't expect the same. You're right. Don't expect nearly the same out of James White. James White could viably, could possibly give you flex numbers. He really could. I mean, they use that position out of the backfield very well. If they can get White involved and, and get him to figure out how to be that type of guy, he could feel, he could, you know, feasibly give you you know, six, flex, seven fancy points. Flex maybe. level numbers, but not Deion Lewis numbers. Yeah, no, not Deion Lewis numbers. Uh, talking about the running backs for the Giants, the only one I would consider playing is Shane Marine revenge game. Big time. And the, the, the revenge factor is, sure, a, a, a part of it, I guess, a little bit. Um, and the fact that they're going to be down. Yeah. And the fact that they're going to need to throw the ball. That, those are the <laughs> factors that I, yeah. But I, I, I wanted to bring up the revenge game, because that's, I, I'm writing stories here, dog. I'm writing, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm like the NBC, like, pregame show right now. <laughs> the other one I think you could, I mean, I, I wouldn't use it. Vereen is the one you could use. But I think it's going to be Vereen and Jen in this game. I don't see them, you know, trying to run it up the gut with a Williams or a Tharco at all in this one. Um, they're going to have to get guys in there who can catch the ball or be at least versatile in some respect. So I think it's a Jennings or a, a Vereen for sure. But uh, Jennings is the, the shot in the dark type of guy. You're starting ODB, but you got to feel a little bit less confident. Yes. And, you know, probably the same thing with Manning. Like, Manning could put up a huge game. Or he could poop the bed like he sort of did last week. Like, yeah. that's who Manning is. But you've got to be okay with that because he's got the weapons around him and a pretty pristine matchup for the passing game to do some damage. Here's the one caveat to the whole situation here. Um, it, and it's, it's a real bummer, but Belichick is just, it, it's smart. And he's been doing it for years and years and years. He figures that the best way to play his defense is to take away the offense's best option. The one the one player that can beat you, he makes sure to take away. And that's an Odell Beckham. Plain and simple. Yep. So, I, listen, you're not going to sit Beckham. No chance. Uh, but I just worry about him putting up legitimate you know, wide receiver one numbers in this game. So, let's move on to the next game. We've got K, uh, KC. Well, I, I just was about to say KFC. I guess I'm getting mm-hmm. sort of hungry. Uh, at Broncos, you know. We've seen this game once before on, what was that, a Thursday night earlier in the season? Yes. Uh, pretty much Peyton Manning's only good game of the season. It was his <laughs> only good game of the season. It was, uh, I think, his only 20-point uh, game of the season, to be honest. Uh, it's, it's been really bad. It might even be his only two-touchdown or three-touchdown game or something like that. Uh, the three, it was, I think it was a three-touchdown game. It might be his only one. Anyway, um, yes, he was uh, slightly injured this week, but I think he's gonna, he's just fine. The one thing that worries me a little bit is the Emmanuel Sanders thing. Uh, he didn't practice all week. He got through in a he got in a walkthrough, but that's it. He hasn't practiced yet. He doesn't need it, obviously. But I think that they trot him out here anyway. I just don't know what's going to happen with him. I love Demarius Thomas. Though. Demarius Thomas is my DFS stalwart start of the week, just because. His touchdown numbers aren't there, but he's top five in receptions and top five in uh, receiving yards. Um, let's see. They give it up to wide receivers, and last game he had, what, eight catches for 116 yards. Didn't score yet again. But this guy only has one touchdown on the season. So he's ranked, like, wide receiver 25. Uh, you know, in DFS, you're paying, like, wide receiver 15-ish prices for him. So I just think the value you can get out of Demarius Thomas is huge this week. Like, uh, I 
think he scores. I mean, I, I do too. I, is it hard to go out on a limb and say that, seeing as how he has one fucking touchdown on the year? I uh, know, no, it's it's definitely not. This is, I mean, it's setting up for for him to have an outstanding game. I hope that they don't try and play some trickery and you know, like like oh, Chiefs are thinking we're just gonna pass to you know Demarius all game, you know, because Sanders a little bit hurt or whatever. I hope they don't throw trickery out there. Just. Play it the way it's, it's shaping up, you know. <laughs> it's shaping up to be a passing game for Peyton Manning, for him to be throwing to Tamarius a lot. Sanders, I mean, had two touchdowns in the game that they had earlier in the year against this Chiefs defense. So, I mean, he's a, definitely a viable option if he's out there. But he's going to be playing a little bit injured. I do love it, Tamarius, in this one. Uh, I'd like to talk about the tight ends a little bit. Maybe we'll talk about the running backs in a second, too. But as I said last week, I had uh, Vernon Davis like as my last tight end in the rankings. I ranked 35 of them. I think I had him 35 or 34 or something like that. you got to understand when somebody like that moves to a new team, especially a Peyton Manning-run team, it takes a while to learn the language. It takes a while to learn the offense and figure out what's going on. Owen Daniels, old-timer, learned it in the offseason. He was able to be with that for quite a while. took a while for it to maybe... Uh, be implemented in the game, but last week, sure enough, he's the one who goes off. Not uh, Vernon Davis. Was he a worth, is Vernon Davis a worthwhile pickup for, te- for for guys? If he's still out there, sure, I'm sure he's already been picked up, but you got to understand, it's going to take a, a couple few weeks for him to get really even involved in the offense, because he doesn't know it yet. Plain and simple, and he has no trust or faith out of Peyton Manning, and that's the main key. So, that's pretty much the entire offense. Like You're looking at these running backs, and neither has been consistent. I mean, let's see, looking at last week, what, Ronnie Hillman had seven for zero or seven for minus one, depending on who scored it for you. Yeah. Uh, awful. Um, you know, C.J. Anderson wasn't much better last week. And then, you know, two weeks before, it's like two touchdowns for Ronnie Hillman, and uh, C.J. Anderson has a hundred and a tutty. I, I, yeah, they're both flex plays, maybe. Like, somebody's going to have to get it going. And yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it is at this point. It's, if you're starting one of them, you're starting one of them as a crapshoot. You just can't You can't make that call. It's. I mean, I have them both relatively really close to each other, and they're both surrounding the number 30 in my rankings. That's you not know? good. <laughs> no, I mean, that's what you're talking. you're talking. But at least one guy you got in the 12th round and one guy you got, oh, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Anderson, this, I mean... You'd think I would have learned my lesson last year when I took Monte Ball up up there. You know, I didn't take him first. I think I got him in the third round, which was fine with me. But uh, God, I think you'd learn your lesson. It, it was setting up for C.J. Anderson to have such a good year. What the fuck? Uh, uh, yeah. So. so fuck that. But yeah. let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs a little bit. Yep. You probably don't want to stream your boy Alex Smith this week. No. You don't really want to play Jeremy Macklin if you don't have to. Nope. But Tlaib does have that one game suspension, so. Maybe, but the other two corners are also very good. Yeah, I don't even know uh, if Tlaib's the best on the team anymore, to be honest, but either way. You know, Travis Kelsey, you're probably going to play just because he might, he can, he's the only one who might be able to score there. Mm-hmm. And then Chark Hendrick, he's probably the safest play of anybody on that goddamn team this Chark Hendrick is the only play. I mean, I, I, you've got to play Kelsey, obviously. He'll probably just get a, you know, a bit of volume as well. Volume, obviously, creates a good fantasy week. So that's uh, that's working in his favor. But that's the same thing with West. Uh, Cherkandrick, this Denver team is all around one of the best defenses in the league. So, I mean, in general, you wouldn't want to be starting somebody unless you knew they were going to get enough volume to do something. And Jamal and Charles had a huge week against these guys earlier in the season. 
Yes. Oh, except you also coughed it up a couple times and lost them the game. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, you thought everybody fucking forgot about that. I don't forget. <laughs> and uh, those touchdowns that he had, I think, were one yarders, too, if I remember correctly. But um, one or two yards. Either way, uh, West is West is the guy to play in this week. Uh, this week, I wouldn't expect a world out of a, a Kelsey this week, but he's de- he's definitely somebody you got to keep in your lineup. But West is the one simply because of volume. Yes. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's do it. We've got two games left. We've got the Cardinals and the Seahawks. Oh, uh, this could be a slugfest. Or it could suddenly be a 30 to 30 game. Like, you got me. I don't know which it is. Um, I, I am. I'm betting on the former. I'm betting on being a bit of a slugfest in this one. Uh, there was an interesting fact that I, I came up with earlier this week that just, I don't know where the hell it came from. And the Arizona Cardinals, for some reason, they've played eight games this year four on the road and four at home. In each road game, they have knocked out the starting quarterback on the other team. They've had the other team has had to bring in another quarterback because they hurt the starting quarterback. Where is Arizona this week? On the road at Seattle. Do I think that like that's some sort of legitimate streak? No, I think it's just coincidence. <laughs> Obviously, but. but still, and I mean Russell Wilson is the most, you know one of the more durable quarterbacks in the entire league for sure. I don't think he's missed a game yet, but the fact of the matter is that. Uh, this Arizona Cardinals team, they're pipe hitters. They can't hit you, and they can't come after you. I don't expect uh, anybody on either side of the ball to have that great of a game. I think the running backs will have a very tough time for Arizona moving against Seattle. I think that even their wide receivers, Seattle is number one against the wide receivers this year. They've given up the fewest amount of points. I don't see, I mean, with John Brown, still only questionable for some reason. He was listed as questionable now, even though he's had a week off. And everything, and sat out, and basically sat out the week before. I don't know. I, 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 have, I have a tough time believing that this, you know, this Arizona offense is going to do a whole hell of a lot in this one. I know that Carson Palmer's on a roll, and he's been outstanding all year long. But going into Seattle, if this was in Arizona, it would be a little bit different for me. But in Seattle, I know that yes, they were the team that broke the streak for Seattle and win straight wins there. But that just because they broke that streak doesn't mean that they put up fantasy points. They didn't in that game. And I don't see them doing it again in this one. Remember, Seattle, in terms of real teams' perspective, they're what? Coming off a bye. They're 4-4. Four and four, And this is the team they're trailing in the division at 6-2. and two. So if they fall behind in this game, or if they lose this game, it's a, it's a big, big you know, damage for them in terms of playoff aspirations. So this is a big game for these Seahawks. And I don't like pissing off Pete Carroll and the Seahawks defensive backs or the the Seahawks defensive unit at all. No. Like, I'm fine pissing off their offense because what's Jimmy going to – Jimmy Graham going to do, block me? I I doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) I doubt it, bro. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, You know what? So what I am thinking, after, you know, we talked about Arizona. What I'm thinking, what's going to happen with Seattle is that they're going to have to go to their bread and butter in this one, and that's a healthy dose, dose of Marshawn Lynch. And to be quite honest, I think they try and get Jimmy Graham involved a little bit in this one. I I don't see them working the wide receivers all that much. Uh, they don't have a lot to work with there anyway. To be quite uh, frank, um, maybe Lockett. Pulls off something special, but I don't see Doug Baldwin or, or Jermaine Kirst doing a whole hell of a lot. Who gives a shit? Exactly. So I, they, they, none of them are really on your team, first of all, or startable either way. But I see Lynch getting a healthy dose of uh, touches in this one, and maybe Jimmy Graham 
defies what Arizona has been doing against tight ends this year and turns them back into the Arizona of the past five years, which is the worst team against tight ends. I'd have to agree with that. And this is also maybe that Russell Wilson rush game. Yes. Because he usually rushes very, very well against against the Cardinals. So you're sitting back and you're wondering, where have Russell Wilson's rushing yards been when I told you they weren't going to be there? You're just wondering where they are. They might, you might get some this week. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I'll be quite honest, that's one of the reasons why I have them right on the cusp of, of uh, QB1 this week. Normally I wouldn't do that against this Arizona defense. But he is because I do believe he'll pick up at least six, seven fantasy points in rushing alone. I think maybe only 11 at most, maybe 11, maybe 12 at most. Uh, when it comes to the, the passing game, but or you know, I think it's more likely more around ten or uh, nine or ten. But the six or seven points that you're going to get from his rushing yards in this one is makes it worth it. Yeah, I, I agree. So let's move on to the final game of the final week. Final game. All and right. It's sort of ugly again. I don't really want to plan on watching it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's an ugly game, but uh, I don't know. It's got to talk about a couple of these guys for sure. I mean, let's see, Nuke. Let's see, he's very good. You're going to start him. You're starting, a, you're, you're starting a DeAndre Hopkins, period. I mean, there's, even if they're good against wide receivers, you're just starting. Yeah, uh, I mean, and they are good against wide receivers, but you're still starting him. You're, uh, you're just starting him. <laughs> the thing is, you know, Brian Hoyer, since coming back from his little you know, benching, has put up a crap ton of fantasy points. Absolutely. And those are all, yeah, in what? garbage time or whatever you might want to call it they still you know sort of count yeah like at least for us people who play this game that that's much better than the real game because i don't have to get hit <laughs> yeah exactly you know it's uh, here's the thing the, i think they will go down in this game and there is going to be some garbage time points uh cecil schwartz is back and i know a lot of people have no. been, it's been exci- <laughs> have been excited about nate washington and what he's been doing but Cecil Shorts is going to take away some of those targets. He's going to take away some of those catches. And it's a bummer. I still think that normally they would get Cecil Shorts in there as a starter uh, alongside of Hopkins. But I think that they keep Washington as a starter uh, just for this one week and work uh, Cecil Shorts back into the offense a little bit slowly. So is it possible that Washington puts up a few points for you if you're going to start him? As a you know, if you maybe have a bye week with some of the other guys, it's a possibility, but I wouldn't depend on it this week. He has been awesome lately, but uh, it's one of those things that I mean, I I would try to avoid uh, the situation there. Yeah, I mean, and then looking at the running backs, like, is there anybody you feel comfortable starting? But I mean, I guess the only thing we actually might have to talk about is the demotion uh, on the depth chart to uh, Chris Polk. Uh, you know, here's the thing. I have a feeling that the Texans are going to be playing from behind. And that doesn't make Alfred Blue a viable play because he's just, I mean, he can catch a few balls here and there. Um, but he needs a soft defense to be able to put up fantasy points, plain and simple. And it showed time and time again when he plays a tough defense, he gets zero, just nothing. I mean, we're talking after, after running six times for one yard, he gets pulled, basically. And they do start going with somebody like a Polk. Uh, but, you know, now with, I mean, uh, Grimes is back in the mix and everything now, too. It's a, it's a situation I would just avoid in general, especially in a game like this, away from home, going against a pretty tough defense in Cincinnati. That's just my take on it. And they don't have uh, tight ends. If, if, if you want to mention one thing about the tight ends, Ryan Griffin is back, who is actually, I think, 
personally believe that he could be the best. I know that uh, people would argue that you know Garrett Graham is you know the legitimate starter, or uh, the other guy the uh, that they drafted a couple years ago, whatever. C. Uh, Dave Fedorowicz. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he may be better, but I think that Ryan Griffin's actually the most talented of the bunch, and he's back off the IR or whatever. Who cares? Who cares? Let's move on to Cincinnati. Oh, where fantasy points should be scored? Yes. I, mean, I think you've got both, what, Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard as top 20 running backs this week. So, I think you think Gio's going to start early. He's going to do his thing. Yeah, 60 passing yards, or 60 receiving yards, and then, you know, 40 to 50 rushing yards, and then Jeremy Hill's going to come in late and hammer these guys for touchdowns or just for yards late because he's going to be that clock killer. Uh, I think there's just going to be a lot of points scored in this game, period, for for Cincinnati. Uh, I think Dalton's going to have himself a nice game. I think A.J. Green's going to have himself a nice game. Uh, I I think Eifert's a, a decent play in this one as well. I mean, he's... So he's a tough guy to hold back, you know, of course. So, Interesting tidbit I told somebody last week. That prior to last week's game, uh, Tyler Eifert had more touchdowns in this season than Jordan Reed had in his entire career. <laughs> and, and now, you know. And now that is more true. <laughs> now that's even more true after the three-touchdown game last week against Cleveland. So, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's pretty ridiculous what Eifert's doing this year, and I got to hand it to uh, D Rex again on that call. That was uh, that was his baby. That was the guy who went after it every league that he had. He took him uh, early in rounds, and everybody was laughing like you could have gotten him five, six rounds later. He's like, "This is a guy I wanted on my team, and I don't care when I take him." And he got him, and sure enough, the guy is kicking ass. And I, hey, I got to kudos you, to him. You can't sit him; he's tight end too. Like, Period. How how do you sit him? Well, it's like that's the situation. Now imagine Johnny Manziel came in and played quarterback for them. Then you can sit him. Yeah. But as long as it's the Red Rocket, ha, 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 yeah. uh, you, you got to start the guy. Absolutely. And especially with the, the, the Texans defense having uh, getting beat up again a little bit. Uh, I don't think Clowney's going to play in this one either. So Say he's not. Yeah, so it's just uh, I think the Bengals are all or all in, pretty much. I think you could pretty much play any of them. It, you're taking a shot in the dark if you're playing a Marvin Jones. He's a he's a boomer bust guy, as is a, a Muhammad Sanu. But either one of them, as you could see every week, one of them will probably get a touchdown. And it's usually every other week, one guy will get one, and the other guy will get one. One guy will get one, the other guy will get one. And even then, it's kind of a crapshoot. So, whatever. I, I, you're this, definitely this, playing everybody else. This might not be a game for a Sanu or a Marvin Jones. I don't know if they need those guys. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think the stars are just the stars this week and everybody else. It's Monday Night Football. I don't think A.J. Green's been great lately. So this might be a game where they try to get A.J. Green and Tyler Eifert and you know the Jeremy Hills of the world back involved in primetime just to show people that they're a business at 9-0 and that they're a force to be reckoned with. Even though they might be or they might not be, because yeah. I'm, I'm still not a. If if there's believers for like Justin Bieber fans or whatever, is there like Daltonian believers? Because like, <laughs> I am not one of those. I, I just think that under there's going to be some time when he crumbles. And yes, it's going to come here soon. Yeah, there there will be a time when he crumbles, and I agree it's coming soon. But it's I don't believe it's going to be in this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he'd have to play a good defense from Ricardo. I mean, that's one of the things. Yeah. So, 
That's pretty much all we got. Uh, we talked we about all our you know, DFS plays along the way. Talked about you know everybody who's in, questionable out. You know, we'll see how all that turns out. The one real situation to monitor late in the week is if you know Johnny Manziel or uh, whatever Josh McCown yeah. plays. That's going to change the rankings in a big, big way. Yeah, and that's that's the real only thing that's a big. Swing. I mean, there's a couple other players that you got to uh, watch for. Austin Safarian Jenkins. Manny. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, Manny uh, Sanders. Obviously, that's a uh, in case anybody didn't know. That's what that that's what they call him on there. Emmanuel Sanders is Manny. Uh, there's uh, there was one other guy that was if oh uh, make sure to watch out for the Bears. All the Bears situation. If the Forte if the Forte Jeffrey. somehow happens to be active in this one, obviously you got to get Langford out of there. And put fourteen immediately, but uh, either one of those would be a great play. Whoever's playing, and make sure that Jeffrey is playing as well. But other than that, there you go. All right. Well, thanks for joining us again. Hope you enjoyed this uh, episode eighteen of the Pyrolite Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. We're also available on Spreaker, where you could add us to your favorites list. Uh, and that would give us a little bump up the little ratings there. And we're also on Stitcher. Uh, thanks again for giving us a listen. You know. Join Pyro Pro. Give us a like or a comment. Leave a review. You know all that jazz that D-Rex or Mo usually say. Because I'm just here filling in and keeping the seat warm. <laughs> I did a very good job, man. All right, peace out. Peace. <laughs>